For me, it's amazing to both see the gospel witness that you can have, to see the doors that the Lord can open to allow you to build relationships for the gospel, and for the Lord to make a way. You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javet, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. Hello and welcome back to our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed. Today I'm joined by Romney Perez, the lead pastor of Fordham Community Church in the Bronx. Our topic today focuses on why and how it can be important to build bridges in a neighborhood where there are people of different faiths. Romney previously served as a pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church and led the youth ministry of uh, a church in Washington Heights. He has a BA in literature from the City College of New York and a Master's of Divinity from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He loves loves to read, play, and watch sports and spend time with his family. He's also on his local community's uh, board. Thanks for joining us today, Romney. How are you doing, brother? Doing well. Doing well by the Lord's grace. Uh, it's been a sweet Christmas and New Year's season, and we're recording this early January, so it's a little bit warmer than it was in December, so I'm, I'm a little bit thankful for that, and, and it's been a sweet season in the midst of a, a lot of busyness. So That's awesome. Uh, so before we get started, please tell us a little bit about your family. I believe families are important, and I believe family is so important because it helps to humanize us as persons. When our audience hears that, uh, they understand that we are also human, uh, flawed people trying to make a difference in this world. So share a little briefly, just a little bit about your family. Yeah, certainly. So I am uh, happily married to uh, my best friend uh, going on a decade uh, this coming July. And um, we uh, we grew up in sort of youth group together uh, here in New York City. We're both native New Yorkers. And um, I was born in Dominican Republic, but uh, she grew up in Little DR in Washington Heights is the way I would describe that. So um, so married. I have two kids. I have a son who is uh, going to be six in a couple of weeks. Then I have a daughter who just turned three in December. Um, and so family life is busy. Um, it's uh, It's one of those things where my kids are very energetic. Uh, they're wonderful. They're learning all kinds of things. Uh, my son is uh, learning to play the piano right now. And so uh, it's been amazing to see him grow in that area. But as you can imagine, there's also all the challenges of, you know, we we, uh, we have long days uh, putting young kids to bed and caring. Yeah. yeah. Man, I understand that. I got four of those. Mine is uh, one turned six recently. The other one is four and my twin girls are two. So yeah. I, I I understand that. So, yeah, but it's a blessing, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a blessing. It's a it's a I we Dajie and I, my wife, we always uh, say, you know, our hands are full, but so are our hearts. So wow, beautiful, yeah. A lot on our hands, but also yeah. our hearts are full, and we wouldn't trade that for the world. There's just a unique joy in seeing your kids grow up, and and the the kind of um the kind of sweetness and delight that it is to have to be able to build a home and 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 uh and delight in that. So it's been sweet, man. It's been really sweet. I enjoy it. Awesome. Awesome. So this is the second time you are speaking for us. You spoke at the Heart for Muslims conference back in November. So thank you again. Thank you so much for joining us there. I saw you up on the stage. 
at the conference, you were on a panel talking about what it uh, takes to get uh, all ethnicities uh, involved in missions. Uh, can you talk about your background and share how your background ties into building community in your interfaith neighborhood? Uh, certainly. So I am a, a Dominican-born man. I was born in the Dominican Republic, and I came to the States permanently when I was eight years old. And then uh, the majority of that, we moved around a little bit, the majority of that uh, have been here in New York City and grew up here in New York City um, ever since. Um, my wife is Cuban and Brazilian. Um, uh, and so our home itself is a very uh, mixture of different dynamics. Um, and uh, my, my background in that is, so I, I got saved when I was in high school. I grew up in a context where my mom was a faithful believer. Uh, my dad had not been walking with the Lord for a season, but then was walking with the Lord when I became a believer in high school. And so I grew up like most New Yorkers going to school with people of every different background. I graduated uh, my bachelor's uh, from a CUNY school in Harlem, the, the, the first CUNY school. And my classmates were from every background. I mean, you, you build relationships and friendships with everybody of every background. Um, and so life is naturally diverse is the way I would describe it, being in, in our city, right? I mean, and just growing up in our city. And then our neighborhood, if you walk through Fordham Road, um, just on, on a, let's say a random Saturday, uh, it'll be, you'll see West African Muslims, you'll see Latinos, you'll see mm -hmm. Mexican, Dominican, uh, uh, African American, Puerto Rican. I mean, you'll see uh, uh, you'll smell it. The way I describe it is it's, it, Fordham is kind of like hearing salsa with your right ear while your left hand is wanting to, you know, move to bachata. Your right foot is trying to do some, you know, African uh, beat. And then you're smelling Italian sausage and, and um, you know, bacon, egg and cheese and, and, and just this conglomerate of all kinds of different things that are happening. So it's very, very, it's very diverse. And so for me, to get a healthy gospel presence in the midst of all of that, it just requires a couple of things, some adeptness at engaging all of that, right? To which, which I think is ultimately actually underlied by just kind of knowing how humans work, right? Like um, there's a diversity, but the humans are humans. Um, and, and then and then learning to uh, bridge those gaps with the gospel as much as possible. So that's a little bit of my background. Since then, I've been pastoring uh, and serving in our neighborhood, and our and, and our our church is engaged in all of that in a whole host of different ways. Our church is very diverse, uh, and then and then we do ministry like an ESL ministry that we do that engages West African Muslims and Latinos. Uh, so I, I would say, um, by virtue of the reality we live, there's a lot of these things involved on. Uh, in terms of the different ethnicities and, and getting involved in missions and reaching them. so Sure. Part of that, you already uh, answered uh, partially to my, uh, you know, the next question. Part of that has already been answered. But let me phrase the question anyways. Uh, what does it mean to you and why does it matter to get all ethnicities involved in missions and evangelism? I think, uh, why does it matter? It matters because Christ is worthy. It matters mm -hmm. Because there is one king, and in Revelations, what we see is this picture of one king, Jesus Christ, uh, having people of every tribe, tongue, and nation submitting mm -hmm. to him in worship and in the light. And so every ethnicity of every people group will be represented that day. That's part of the, the promise of the gospel there. 
but also every ethnicity and every people group is meant to be uh, become a tool in the hand of the King Jesus to be used to advance the gospel. Um, so, so there's a greater sort of theological truth there, I think, that's important biblically. Um, but uh, on a practical level, especially in, in, in America and in New York City, where we're going, it's further into a future that um, that does not have one sort of like majority culture. Uh, it's increasingly so uh, all these different people groups uh, navigating. And so for me, if you're not equipped to engage all of that, uh, and if you're not intentionally trying to engage all of that, and, and specifically, if, if the sort of minority group, let's say, and I say that with air quotes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because it, it depends on who sent, who is centered in that conversation. But, but um, if they're not helping lead that cause, right, then it actually shortchanges what's going, what the Lord will do fruit wise in the future. Mm -hmm. I think there's a unique opportunity that um, Latinos, uh, Indian, African, uh, sort of the global South, for lack of a better term, uh, represented here in the city and in other places has, I think the future of the church really lies there. Um, I think you see that demographically, but I also think you see that in terms of what the Lord is doing on a global scale, but also here in the city. So for me, it, it means, it means um, on a basic level, teaching every Christian, you're, you're a missionary. On, on a greater level, it means investing and developing leaders uh, from minority groups or traditionally minority groups that are able to dance in different worlds, that are able to, to dance in a, uh, in a, let's say, academic evangelical world that may be predominantly white, but that can dance on the, on the block uh, with a predominantly diverse neighborhood that can engage all kinds of different cultures. Because to me, the gospel church that will have a gospel witness and a movement that will have a gospel witness in the future needs to be able to do that. I, I think Gen Z and the newer generations are unaccustomed and will have um, a lack of credibility for a church that isn't able to engage uh, different people uh, and a church that doesn't do that well and a community that doesn't do that well. So for me, what does it mean? It means raising leaders and it means um, calling everybody to view themselves as a missionary and then doing that, uh, raising your adeptness at intercultural communication as well. So, uh, on a large scale, that's some of the things that come to mind from there. Yeah. So how do you involve your church in missions and evangelism locally? We do a lot of things. We do a lot of things. Um, uh, there are sort of structured things and then there are cultural things. There, there are cultural things where, like I just said, we want to we want to train everyone in our church to view themselves as a missionary, whether they're a taxi driver, they're working in construction, they're, uh, you know, doing braids mm -hmm. at salon shop, whether they're, um, you know, uh, working in tech and and uh, doing cybersecurity, whether mm -hmm. they're doing coding and software engineering, right. whatever it is you put your hands to do, the Lord has called you to leverage that and be a missionary and be a source of light in your context. And then we try to do structural things as a community to serve our neighborhood. The way we describe that is we want to love our neighborhood with our words and our hands. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like for us? There are different ways. One of the ways is we have an ongoing ESL ministry um, that allows us to, all free of charge, serve uh, West African Muslims and a lot of Latino uh, 
uh, immigrants and asylum seekers in our neighborhood uh, and, um, and to serve them by giving them English classes for free. We mm-hmm. do, you know, back to school, back drives. We do um, uh, uh, days at the park that engage our neighborhood. We have dreams of adding things. Uh, one, one of our, my dreams is to be able to take at-risk middle school and high school students mm-hmm. and when they're out of high school, they come out with both soft skills and character skills and a hard skill, like a coding, uh, you know, certification that allows them mm-hmm. to get work. Um, so, so that's our heartbeat. One practical way to describe, and I alluded to this at the Heart for Muslims conference, um, you know, due to my engagement in the community board and, and to our, our neighborhood, we, um, we uh, have been able to be engaged in serving uh, and loving our neighbors in the time of greatest need. So there was a fire that we just had the anniversary, the one year anniversary of uh, just a couple of days ago. Last year, where 17 uh, West African, mostly Gambian uh, people died in our neighborhood. Wow. And, and it was a tragic reality that occurred. And for us, we had the opportunity leveraging being in our neighborhood uh, and actually through ESL and through those relationships to go into people's homes uh, and, and survivors' homes and serve them, uh, serve mm-hmm. them with financial giftings to take care of costs, uh, serve them uh, by praying and building relationships. Um, so we try to do it organically, try to disciple people and to view themselves that way, and then in, in orchestrated ways as a, as a full body, uh, is the way I would describe, which includes a lot of relationship building with people that are doing things already in our neighborhood. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot we try to do in that regard. Oh, fantastic. Shifting gears uh, now, why do you think it's important to have uh, good relationships with the leaders of other faiths in your community? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think that 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 um instance with that fire occurred, and I don't want to give the wrong impression. It's not like I um, you know, I'm on a breakfast or somebody on a, a weekly with, you know, other leaders, but but I think it's important to as much as possible have good relationships with within your neighborhood with as many as you can. I think it allows you, Jesus said, you know, that 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 we are called to be salt and light. Right, uh, right. Places that are that are good works may be viewed and seen by everyone. So for us, during that fire instance, it, a lot of the folk, almost everybody who died was Gambian and they were Muslim background. That means that the mosque leaders uh, spearheaded, you know, uh, a lot of the care for them in terms of like uh, funerals and in terms of like, uh, you know, what it looked like to translate and communicate with certain families. And so initially having good relationships with uh, some of those leaders and, and just being on a, on, a, on a friendly communicative sort of a sphere is important just to be able to serve well. Now, that's an interesting song and dance because, um, as a believer, as a Christian, uh, and as a Christian pastor, you know, there are obviously differences that, that may come in terms of the foundation of what you believe. But I think as far as I can, I want to, I want to be in good relationships and at peace with all men, um, and, uh, and do that well. And that actually gives you opportunities to serve on places where you can partner together to serve. Uh, and then there are places that may not be appropriate to you, but there are places like caring for these Gambian folks that we did and were able to do. Um, uh, you know, I, I, on our community board, you have all of that represented. And so for us, uh, you know, there were meetings early on where, you know, we would have mosque leaders, we had secular leaders, we had pastors, 
uh, like myself, all coming together to say, how do we make sure that we advocate for these uh, people who lost their lives, that we care for them who lost their lives? There were instances where there were gaps in terms of what was promised and was not being delivered. So I remember in this very office that I'm sitting at meeting with families. And, and because I've been on the community board, I had the email of the direct person who was making the decision for housing, for example. And so, and so we were able to leverage that, send out an email and say, hey, uh, this person is being overlooked. This is their name uh, yeah. and the issue uh, with the language that's being overlooked. And then the next day I would get, hey, we just got the apartment approved. You know, thank you. But that happened because of those relationships is what I'm trying to say. So um, on a practical level, I think it's important as best as you're able to just to just um, be well thought of by outsiders. I actually think it's a qualification that's necessary for local pastors and leaders. So, yeah. 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 Excellent. So some people may argue that working with the leaders of different faiths should not be done because you may be watering down the gospel message. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think you have to be strategic to never water down the gospel message uh, and strategic on what it is you're able and willing to partner in. Um, so doing good to and serving families who lost their lives and their survivors and children, I think that's a good work that if you're able to partner together, the uh, every believer should have the opportunity and, and goodwill to do that. There's nothing, it would not hurt the gospel message there in any way. Um I think if it's, there are other dynamics where I might be clear on what I believe, but try to be respectful uh, as to how I relate that to other, other. Um, so, so essentially what I'm saying is I think it matters on what you're working with and what you're partnering uh, with and what you're working alongside others. Um, I, I think there are, there could be similarities on desiring the neighborhood to flourish that you can partner together on you know, wanting to have economic opportunities for your neighborhood, wanting to have good education for your neighborhood, wanting to have a clean neighborhood, all those things you can partner on. Um, we've also seen where, you know, with our ESL, for example, some West African Muslims and mosque leaders did not like some folks learning English in a church. Uh, and for us, we weren't going to water that down. We felt it was important uh, to say we're not... Uh, we want to serve our neighbors, um, but we're also a Christian church that cares about the gospel moving forward among every people group. Um, so it's a both end reality. Um, and, and I think it takes wisdom. I think it takes um, being intentional. And I, I do think it takes boldness and clarity on your end as well. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the ways that you stepped out of the pulpit and served the larger community in your neighborhood? Some of the ones I've alluded to, uh, you know, um, it, it, it varies, um, but some of the ways I've alluded to, I serve on the community board in our neighborhood. So that, right. that, that includes a lot of different things. It includes having a voice on housing uh, and, and new developments. It includes on economic decisions. It includes having a voice on uh, issues with education in the neighborhood, on, you know, uh, major uh catastrophes that happen in the neighborhood, like the fire. Uh, it includes building relationships with local political leaders and, and being mm -hmm. able to leverage those for the good and, and even for a gospel witness, right? Um, uh, so for me, all that is important. And there's a great tradition in the Black church and in the Latino church that, and, and in other uh, minority churches that carries that, right? Where the church was a gospel preaching faithful uh, witness but also was a main hub driving good for the neighborhood, right? It was it was a both and. And so 
really, I'm not doing anything new in terms of that tradition. We're just stepping into that reality um, uh, when I serve in those ways. Um, you know, we've I've done things where with our local hospitals, especially during COVID, where I got invited to speak to cancer patients during COVID uh, in, in um, the Monteferi system and uh, and just just speak words of hope to them. They needed they needed uh, encouragement. And it was they were like, uh, because you're serving outside of the context of your normal pulpit service, it gives you these opportunities to serve. Um, we yeah, we donated a gazillion masks and stuff to uh, to the hospitals during COVID. So um there's a lot of different things we try to do to be present and to love our neighborhood. I do believe that the pulpit is my main task. Uh, and I believe it's the engine that drives our gospel witness. So I don't ever neglect that. Um, but I think uh, in an urban city like New York City and like the Bronx where we are, um, we're also called to get our hands dirty as much as we're able to and to serve on the ground. So we try to do both ends. And those are yeah. some of the I get engaged on a regular basis. So, Yeah. Would you say... This is how your involvement with your community board has allowed you to build bridges and connect with Muslims in your neighborhood. Yeah, it's been, I mean, that, the ESL ministry, and then just being good neighbors. But yeah, I would say certainly. I mean, um, I've already alluded and told the story, but what happened with yeah. the fire is one of the greatest illustrations of that to me. I mean, uh, you know, because of the dynamics of how, uh, you know, kind of very traditional Muslim households and neighborhoods uh, can be. It can be as a pastor to be welcomed in. There's usually some barriers, but it was amazing in that season because mm. I got welcomed into people's homes. Uh, and, um, and you know, even, yeah, we had folks crying as we prayed for them uh, and gave them $5,000 to care for medical yeah. costs that had gotten um, overlooked. So like, and that was because of the, the being on the community board so that I was able to be engaged. I was able to meet the people who were making the decisions on behalf of the city. So Bronx Works folks, and other folks who had been entrusted with the decision-making. And then I was able to leverage that, you know, when there were gaps that I was seeing, hey, this person's not getting the housing that they were promised. We were told everybody would get a new housing and they're being overlooked. And then the next day, hey, they just got approved this new housing. So like, there were a lot of things like that that happened by being connected on, on, a, on a wider scale. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was in a meeting with the mayor where um, the, the city is, and I'm, I'm I don't know how this will work out. I'm not trying to do any political endorsement here at all. Just so hear me correctly. I'm just saying what, part of that relationship, what it's allowed to do is we're talking about how are there grants available for churches to do the kind of community good uh, uh, that the city would even help have grants for. That's the conversation that is being had in those meetings now. So if the church is doing uh, something like an ESL ministry or after school program, the city wants to partner in doing good with that or with the a lot of the asylum immigrants that are coming into the city now the the city's asking churches would you be able to house them and would you be able to care for them so there are cons, all kinds of gospel opportunities just by being involved in the community level uh that you can leverage for the gospel so yeah it's awesome um is there anything that has surprised you in this process yeah i think I think what has surprised me um, is that I'm reminded a lot of when Peter stepped out onto the water and the Lord said, come, and he was walking on water. It feels like we planted our church and then just getting engaged and serving and trying to jump in. It really feels like that. It's like 
God, how have you done this? I don't even mm -hmm. see how it would be possible. I grew up here and there are times where I would stand on Fordham Road in the concourse and just think to myself, how do we even begin to attack this? And then to look back and say, we've been able to be integrated enough into our neighborhood that we had these opportunities to serve on these levels, to see people be saved and to see the gospel move forward, like baptize people as a result of trying to engage. And there's one guy where we did a, a community block party uh, and that's where we met him and connected with him. And he got saved. He's now serves in our church every Sunday, like just the faithful growing believer. To me, it's amazing to both see the gospel witness that you can have, to see the doors that the Lord can open to allow you to build relationships for the gospel and for the Lord to make a way. To me, it was amazing to do um, the uh, to be invited into Muslims homes uh, and to love on them and care for them and build those relationships it was amazing to me because yeah, I know that that can be a that can be a barrier. Um, we during the 2020, uh, the when Floyd, uh, we we led a march in our church where 50 plus churches uh, got united, and we literally shut down Fordham Road, and all the churches walked down, declaring we are for justice and for peace. There's a lot that has surprised me, if I'm honest. I, all of it has been like walking on water, and and. Um, and I think the Lord deserves all the glory. It's a, we're just sinners who he saved by his mercy and his grace and then allows to, to be useful in his hands. So, you know. Yeah. Different leaders will be in, a, in different contexts, but what would you recommend to a pastor who shepherds in a diverse religious community? What steps can that pastor take to build better relationships uh, with other faith leaders in their neighborhood? Great. I think, I think I would, one of the first things I would say is be clear on where you stand doctrinally, have your convictions very clear yeah. and move off of them. Uh, I think you need to build those deep and then you need to be as gracious, as unmoving on those as you can, but as gracious in how you interact with people who differ as you possible, that you would put mm -hmm. no stumbling blocks to the gospel in front of people. So mm -hmm. I don't believe in watering down the doctrinal faithfulness. I think you need to have that very clear because then when you enter into those relationships, that allows you to engage mm -hmm. graciously and helpfully. So that's the first place I would start. The second place I would start is there in every neighborhood, there's got to be people who are concerned for doing good for that neighborhood. There's got to be a community board, or there's got to be a group of people who care about education, who care about the cleanliness in the neighborhood. Right. And usually there'll be people of different kinds of faiths involved there. And so I would say, try, if you have a heart for seeing the gospel move forward and mm -hmm. being to your good words, do take the first step of being involved, reach out to local leaders. Our, the first, one of the first things we did is we were serving and then we reached out to a local council leader, mm -hmm. uh, built a good relationship with him. And almost all the other doors have opened out of that relationship. And so oftentimes your, your local councilmen or councilwomen, maybe they have so many needs that they can touch. They're looking for people to say, hey, how can we take this off? How can we address this need in our neighborhood? So take a step. Maybe you don't know, you can't, you can't handle. I often tell my wife, like, I can't burn, I can't aim at all the fires in the world. There's too many of them. But, but if you can just put your aim at one and say, I'm going to just shoot at that one, and that'll be good. I can be faithful in that. So that's the approach that we've tried to take one step at a time, use what you can and do what you can. We have dreams for doing more, but for right now, just do what you can. Uh, find the places where people are trying to serve and do good in the neighborhood or in your area. And oftentimes you'll find that there's a diverse seat there. 
and 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 be clear about where you stand, what you believe. And I don't even think you need to present yourself as anything else. Be clear about where you are and what you believe to people. And I think most people will appreciate that for the most part. They'll understand, okay, this is where they're at, but they're still gracious and kind and, and, and loving in the way they do interact uh, with people because that's Christ-like. And so uh, that's, those are some of the advice I would give uh, in terms of getting started or jumping off. And, and then you'd be surprised at what the Lord will do. I think the Lord will do much more than we, uh, you can imagine. So. That's beautiful, Romney. That's awesome. So before we close out today's episode, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, you know, we're going through a hard season of ministry uh, for everybody in the in the whole country. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are challenges pastors are facing. I, I was just on a breakfast with pastors right before this. You know, there are financial challenges. Uh, mm-hmm. There are, um, especially in an urban setting like the one we're in, there are, uh, when you think about longevity financially, mm-hmm. that you can get anxious, you can get um, discouraged, you can feel like, what's the point of it all? I think there are more pastors leaving the pastorate today, maybe than at any other time. It's a, there's a there's a there's a lot of difficulty for leaders and pastors in different places. So my encouragement would be remain faithful, delight in Jesus, and it's worth it. Um, uh, the sacrifice has a gospel shape. There is a dying, uh, but there's also resurrection and reality and hope that is not uh, in vain in light of that. Um, and so through the difficulty. You know, these are the truths I try to remind myself of, like, like endure and do good. Um, and I, when you when we have conversations like this, people are like, how can I add one more thing? I'm already doing all this. How can I even think about doing this one other good work? People get excited. They like the idea. But it's like, how do I even how can I even add something else? And I would just say, like, stay the course, be faithful. And if you can take one more step or just just take one step of raising somebody in your church who can who can then do that, like, like know that that's enough and pleasing to the Lord as you take those steps. So that's, that's the only other encouragement I would add. Yeah, that's, that's good encouragement. If listeners wants to get in touch, how can they do so? Yeah, man, I, three years ago, I decided to have a different relationship with social media. So mm-hmm. I've, uh, I'm not, a, I don't use Twitter. It's for my own, men, you know, talk about mental health. And I, it, I'm a happier person without really engaging too much. But you can go on our website, fccbronx.org. Um, my email is rperez at fccbronx.org. I do have an Instagram. It's mostly about my family. <laughs> and so um, I think the handle for that is Ramney Perez. Um, but I think if you go on our website, fccbronx.org, you'll be able to contact me, connect with me, or email me, rperez at fccbronx.org. That's the best way to contact me and connect. And yeah, if any way I can be of help or encouragement, I'd be, be happy to do that. So. Great. That that will also be included in the episode description. And for the last thing, because we talk about heavy topics and uh, I think it's a good way to close the episode, I'd like to ask you to tell a joke to lighten the mood. Yeah, you're putting me on the spot with this one. All right. Like uh, in the midst of a sermon, spontaneously, I, I can be funny, but I, on a joke, I'm not sure. Okay. So I'm going to give you a dad joke. I'm, I'm going to try okay. to do my best dad joke. Okay. So uh, what did the evil chicken uh, uh, lay? What what kind of egg did it lay? What what kind of devil's yeah. egg? Devil egg. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Thank you so much for being on the show. 
Again, that was uh, Romney Perez, lead pastor of Fordham Community Church. And thank you to all our listeners. We truly could not do this without you. If you learned something, have a topic suggestion, or would like to leave us feedback, drop us a note at oururbanvoices.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast. Tune in next week for more honest discussion from diverse voices. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Please check back for new episodes every week.